Okay, welcome back. Today is Thursday, September 3rd, and hey, hey, <laughs> yesterday and today when I checked the clock on my computer to see what day it is, um, the second hand was perfectly moved right from 59 to 0 into the perfect vertical alignment. So that's nice. <clears throat> it's good. Uh, to be aligned <laughs> with uh, between the conscious mind and the deep mind or um, the body speaking the body mind speaking and the spirit that um, is, is like the sun that radiates uh, the beams of light um, uh, upon which we speak so that's nice. So today, continuing the reading of Chittakashkita from Voice of the Self, from the archive.org text file and PDF. Uh, a bit different than the ebdeer.net version that claims to be from MP Pandit, but seems to be actually um, uh, his, somebody's reformulation of MP Pandit's original uh, with, actually, I saw one one verse that seemed to be very directly uh, influenced by the Hatengi translation. So whoever did the ebdeer.net reformulation of MP Pandit's version from Voice of the Self, probably, it looks to me, I would say now, um, read Captain Hatengi's translation and uh, put them together and then did his own thing. Uh Two things to say uh, at the start here. We're going to be beginning from page end of page 12, reading through the Gita, the verses, some portion of uh, the verses that we're moved through now. Um, number one, um, spiritual study is not the same as joy and beauty. <laughs> uh, I was woke up this morning and um, felt sort of the heaviness of the second point, which is that, you know, I'm not Nityananda, and I'm not qualified, therefore, to uh, interpret what he said. Um, but I think it's okay to acknowledge that I haven't finished the path, neither have you, and yet it's useful to try to make sense of the teachings of those that have finished the path, even though none of our understanding will be his or of the same breadth and depth or completion of the one who's finished the path. Um, but spiritual study like this, um, even well-meaning and sincere in acknowledging our limitations, um, is not the same as... Um, it, didn't, it doesn't always bring happiness or joy and may not always be the right thing for anyone to do. So I uh, listened to Neil Young from 1971, Tell Me Why, and then uh, <clears throat> some other song, and um, Don't Let It Bring You Down from 1971, after the gold rush. Fifty years ago, um, there are 50-year cycles. Uh, in some ways, the next few years may well be a similar to 1970 to 75 or 1920 to 1925 on 50 year cycles 
<clears throat> that's another point to bear in mind for those who have a sense of that. But um, I felt some joy and happiness uh, from the beauty of Neil Young. Uh, tell me why, and um, don't let it bring you down. Uh, listening to those short songs, um, that's part of life too. <laughs> that's an important part of life too, not just spiritual study. And in many ways, deep spiritual study, uh, like we're doing, and meditation, is for the purpose of not just of moksha, which is really kind of far away for us, even if we're coming back, going back to sixth density. It's, you know, we're not yet finished with the octave. Uh, but the purpose, one purpose is the increasing sensitivity to beauty and the good and the true and the beautiful as a whole. So spiritual study and practice to not only answer some questions we may have about self or path or goal, but also to sensitize the mind to the vibrations of the higher chakras, four, five, six, the good and the true and the beautiful, uh, honest, uh, what, what, is, what is of virtue, what is of, uh, of love and care, and what is of truth and clarity and knowing and will and being and stillness and expansion and non-duality, four, five, six. <clears throat> and so increasing sensitivity to beauty, increasing sensitivity to goodness and truth and what is of harmony and what is of greater value or higher quality. Higher quality has higher value as that which is... Um, um, more fully um, radiant, more light-filled, of greater light density, with the good and the true and the beautiful, like chakras four, five, six, or four, fifth, six ray. So, <clears throat> spiritual study may get cold or seem empty or bland or flat um, or dull um, when. <clears throat> there's some insufficiency of heart uh, activation uh, and sensitivity to beauty and therefore happiness and joy. And so um, beauty uh, is important <laughs> and happiness and pleasure and joy are important. So from that, uh, page 12 on the PDF, we finished the verse about the feminine and the masculine at the end of the page on the PDF, page 12, this actually corresponds to um, verse 62 from Hatengi and ebdir.net, and their translations are somewhat different, actually. But I'm really just going to stay uh, with <clears throat> MP Pandit. In these uh, verses here, the last few and the next few, um, He's talking about um, the two and the one. That, that yes, there is experience of the two. That's like masculine, feminine, body and Atman, <clears throat> uh, Om and Pranava, and then there's outer and inner, and there's practice and realization, which is akin to outer and inner. Practice as physical performance is outer, external. Realization as the fruit of practice and the heart of practice and the purpose of the path is inner. 
And so there's bhakti yoga outer and there's bhakti yoga inner. Um, likewise, <clears throat> there is activity and there's mind, or there's body and mind. There's um, body activity, performance of ritual, and then the state of mind. There is spiritual performance and um, mind-spirit awakening, a realization. They're really different. And so people should be clearer when in the world of duality, what is of lesser value and what is of greater value. So to begin, end of page 12 from the MP Pandit version, Voice of the Self, Nityananda Chittakashkita. The body is a cave. In the cave dwells the Atman. This dwelling shall lead to fulfillment. Externally, there are several parts, but subtly, all is one. Om, the Pranava. Pranava is what pervades form. Om is what is without body, without form. So we have body as a cave, and then the one within the cave as Atman. Body as the so-called outer, and Atman or beingness, higher self, true self, true nature, or an aspect of true nature, apparently within the body. Now, <clears throat> Buddhism will say the cell, there is no self in the body, out of the body, in the skandhas, out of the skandhas, separate from, fine, no problem. And so the Atman is not a substant, is separative, substantive, sol solid thing that's dwelling in the body, obviously. It's um, <clears throat> the awareness that makes use of multiple subtle energy fields. The awareness of non-duality uh, or beingness, you know, ultimately there is no agent other than the one infinite creator or intelligent infinity. So intelligent infinity is the speaker, always. <clears throat> and there's nothing in creation manifest in the world of many um, that is not the that is not intelligent infinity. So what the hell is intelligent infinity? Well, you can say one infinite creator, but we don't have to anthropomorphize either. So one infinite creator, God, or the Logos, or prior to the Logos, actually, you see, that's the one agent, the one that is the doer of creation. But actually, there's no doer separate from um, that which is, appears to be doing or that which is appears to be moving. So the outer and the inner is also illusory. But the only way to come to that is by clearly knowing that, that, there, that there is uh, an apparent distinction and, and an experiential distinction between inner and outer of value, where the inner is of greater value than the outer because the body passes away um, and the mind makes a body. <laughs> so whether we say that uh, there is a self or isn't a self doesn't really matter. Essentially, the, the one that uh, appears, uh, the one that has experience that uh, we may call a self uh, the basis of our sense of self um, is ineffable. It's ineffable. It can't be effed or effed up. And so 
the one the one I is 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 inscrutable. It's ineffable. It's indescribable. It's inconceivable. That's enough. <laughs> and then there is a way of uh, freedom. So internally, externally, externally, there are parts like a body has parts. Subtly, internally, essentially, um, all is one. Om then, as the original sound, another. It's synonymous pretty much with pranava, <clears throat> but pranava can also be understood uh, very much akin to breath or prana. Pranava, right? Pranava, pranava, like prana, same, is basically <clears throat> the 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 uh, in sort of like the uh, nature of Om expressed as prana is pranava, and so. Breath is not just, uh, when, when you say prana, we don't mean physical breath. Although physical breath, the working uh, physical breath as the basis of technique and practice can lead um, the mind from uh, st- the stabilizing, concentrative mind that develops insight um, goes from um, becoming... Uh, at one with or in harmony with prana to pranava and back to om, something like that. And yet there is uh, the source and there's its derivation. So the source om from the logos is de- de- has a derived product called pranava through the breath, like that. <clears throat> and again, there is apparent sequence and apparent duality of outer inner and apparent but very utilitarian distinction of higher or lesser value. And that's the point. And there's performance and there's awareness, and they're not the same. So here we have some verses about performance versus um, transformation of awareness. Page 13. Bhakti may have a selfish element in the beginning, bhakti meaning devotion, but it does not continue so. When you attain perfection, you realize the whole world becomes teacher. And so I'm not at perfection, so I don't have that realization that the whole world is teacher. But sometimes we can see that. Bhakti as devotion, bhakti yoga as the techniques and practices associated with devotion to a guru or um, a beloved. Of course, it's selfish in the beginning, and in fact, it's uh, selfish all the way up to the end. (laughs) But in the end, it won't be. And there's um, a desire to become, a desire to more fully experience unification with the beloved, whether that's Jesus or Mother Mary or God or the Guru or what. And so, um, yes, (laughs) in the beginning we're selfish, and as time goes on, um, we become increasingly uh, selfless. that doesn't mean self-rejecting uh, or denying. There's not even a self to be denying and rejecting, but it certainly does not mean um, neglecting what needs to be, what needs care. So uh, we can't really understand what perfection is because we're not there. And that's the first of many verses where you'll see that here, that <laughs> I can't say, I know what it means that the whole world becomes teacher. But I've had that experience sometimes. Going on, he said, there is a selfish motive in Hatha Yoga, 
the practices of um, you know, like what's called physical yoga. There is a selfish motive in Hatha Yoga. Quote, I must progress. I must be famous. The sun shall not rise tomorrow. The hill shall change into gold, etc. And so in the West we know we have got Hatha Yoga all the time. People say yoga, they mean Hatha Yoga. It's just uh, one of Ashtanga Yoga or eight limbs of yoga or the various techniques of yoga. And he'll explain more. Um, again, there's practice and there's realization. There's the beginning and the end. There's initial conditions and later conditions. Going on. It is not right to say, I am Brahman. One should rather say, you are the all, the whole world is yourself. A yogin shall take the whole world as a yogin. Regard all as yourself. Uh, and by the way, I've just discovered that um, <laughs> I think that Zato Ichi, Zato no Ichi, Zato no Ichi was channeling Nityananda. There are a couple of pictures of, uh, I think it was Kintaro, Shin, Shintaro, Kintaro, um, the actor who played Zato Ichi in the original series, of course, uh, in the 60s and 70s. Looks like, looks like Nityananda a lot. So Zato no Ichi, or Zato Ichi, um, the blind masseur samurai, he's not a really sire, he's a swordsman, the blind swordsman masseur in the series, um, looks a lot like Nityananda, and um, uh, those movies started in 62, right after Nityananda died. Mm -hmm. He died in 61, and the Zatoichi series started in 62, and I was born in 62, so maybe Nityananda transferred something to um, the Zatoichi series, but there's something very noble about it. Uh, not right to say I am Brahman as if I am and you're not, or I am and as I is distinct from you. Rather, I think he's saying, uh, I is the all, the whole world is I. The whole world is self. Self, and, and what does that mean, right? The Buddhists will have a fit to say that. And that's why they can't handle Vedanta. But uh, it doesn't mean the conscious mind, I. It means the true nature of, of what appears to be me is not, um, is not um, essentially different from the, fun, the true nature that appears to be you. And all is one. <laughs> they are non-duality. It means that... Um, all this is I, but it's not the conscious self or personality I. It's the presence that leads to the sense of self, the essential beingness presence, which is most subtle and no words really express. But there is a sense of I. Um, it does fall away, actually. And then that's why Nityananda said this one here of himself. Regard all as yourself. So, where he said this one here, referring to himself, um, he is uh, he referred to uh, himself as just another one, or expa example of the one here. Going on, <clears throat> to sit in a cave is to be like the animal in the forest. Such persons are of no moment. Even stones are more useful to gauge the mileage, milestones. 
Think out and give up one by one. If you take food, it is for yourself. It is no, of no benefit to others. Merely to leave darkness is not enough. Attain to the light dispelling the darkness. To tread in dark there is fear, with light there is none. So too it is of little use to do tapasya, tapas, uh, austerity practice, for a thousand years in the expectation of reward. Tapasya, even for a while, without looking for the fruit, leads to the seeing of all as the self. So all is one, and that one is I, but that I is not the personal me and you we think of ourselves as. The, the, the personal self, me and I and you, think to be what we are is not this self. This self is the one infinite light, love, awareness, intelligent infinity. This self is intelligent infinity that he means. This the self he's referring to is intelligent infinity. And so, it's intrinsically beyond any <laughs> adequate characterization. <clears throat> and so again, he's making a distinction between the outer and the inner, the performance and the realization. Sitting in a cave as um, austerity, uh, you know, monastics or renunciates do, um, without realization, or thinking that simply the sitting is, is achievement, is animalistic, like an animal in the forest. Such persons are not important. <laughs> and so he was addressing, in the 1920s, in these verses, uh, people in the room. And people that those in the room knew. <clears throat> and uh, those who were coming and going out of the, you know, from the community of very, the few devotees he had. And those that were going to other gurus. And those that were thinking about other gurus and ascetics and yogins. And <clears throat> he's saying, again, the mere practice of hatha yoga or bhakti yoga is, is not the work. The work is not performance, physical performance. The work is transformation of awareness. <clears throat> and, and that is a purification of being and all um, selfish motive. The ending of, you know, like Buddhism would say, craving and clinging and defilements and effluence and uh, distorted karmic bases and anything that's harmful to self and other. <clears throat> and so it's, uh, he was very critical, as uh, great teachers are, <clears throat> of, of misunderstood spiritual practice, misunderstood, misguided spiritual teaching. There's a lot of misguided spiritual teaching. And there's no proof of who's misguided and who's not. And some people will say, Nichinata, I looked at the three-hour Chittakash Gita <clears throat> reading on YouTube. Somebody did it, and it was a good thing to do. It had 31 downvotes. <laughs> so if that gets 31 downvotes, uh, how much less can I expect to not get downvotes, or anyone being myself far lesser than he? And so there are people who, this is a world like that. So, okay, that was educational to me. Even Chittakash Gita people will go there to downvote, <laughs> will stay to register their displeasure publicly. <laughs> this is a world with people like that. It's not that uh, 
one should have pleasure and upvote or, or love everything. But why even say so? How lame. <laughs> Jack lame. How, how impotent. How impotent <laughs> the downvoters are. Impotent downvoting in many cases. Very silly. So think out and give up one by one. Think out and give up. And now you're going to see in a lot of the verses, that the, the, the stanzas here, they're going to be multiple short utterances that um, each one can be elaborated at, uh, at length, I'm sure, meaning um, expanded at length. And uh, I uh, <laughs> uh, publicly state that I cannot interpret fully, best, greatly any one of them. But I can do a little. And you can do more. Think out and give up one by one. Um, think out or release or think on and release and give and renounce uh, successively. Successive renouncement, renunciation and detachment. Let go, let go, let go what's unneeded. And hold to what's good. And in Buddhism, that's part of the four samapadana, four right efforts to avoid what's harmful, to um, weaken or release what is harmful that we've acquired already. And harmful also means distorted and painful and confused and mistaken. Not just evil ways, but patterns of mis misperception. I thought you were my enemy, but you're not. Or I thought he, she was this or that, but it's not true. So release wrong view. Release harmful patterns release um, any anything that um, we could call distorted and releasing even imbalance and so that's the second form of uh, right exertion uh, to let go and release or weaken and diminish what we've already acquired that's harmful or mistaken or confused or useless uh, or whatever that, that doesn't work that do doesn't serve our long-term welfare and benefit the third is to uh, acquire what should be acquired or develop what should be developed. Uh, and the last is to cultivate and continue uh, the development of what we've acquired that ought to be developed and uh, cultivated because it leads to greater and greater long-term welfare and benefit. <clears throat> and so think out and give up one by one is um, particularly the second form of right effort to uh, renounce and detach what's unneeded and confused. If you take food, it's for yourself. It's no benefit to others. This teaching is for you. And we're not proselytizers, and you can proselytize if you wish. But in general, we can know truth, but there's no proof. And commonly, we can't and really ought not to even try to convince others of the truths that we believe to be so. And so, if you take food, it's for you. And um, being of service is more than just teaching people or talking to them about what you think is true. There's just listening, there's caring, there's radiation and meditation. Merely to leave darkness is not enough. And so, not only is it important to move away from confusion and harm, but attain to the light dispelling the darkness so again the physical to the non-physical or the gross to the subtle um, 
correct behavior or helpful behavior or behavior in line with um, respect and goodness is important or critical and not the last step either. To tread in dark, there's fear. With light, there's none. So uh, moving out of darkness, moving out of confusion. Uh, and we'll see that the, the word Veda is the same root as Vidya. Avidya, meaning ignorance, basic ignorance, avidya, is not vidya, not knowledge or truth. Likewise, veda is of the same root vid, which is of knowledge and knowing and truth and wisdom. And so <clears throat> that which is of wisdom and truth and knowing uh, of greater benefit is, is where there is light. So, too, it's of little use to do tapasya for a thousand years, and that's, again, austerities. And, again, it's the, the, the contrast between uh, physical performance of uh, good practice and uh, the state of mind of the one doing, the state of mind of the practitioner. Just expecting reward from physical performance of ritual or activity of spiritual practice uh, won't help. <laughs> One, uh, one doesn't need the, the ritual performance for realization, but it can help. The ritual performance, uh, however, is not realization or transformation per se. And this, again, is uh, the second of the ten fetters broken at Sahana in Buddhism called clinging to rites and rituals. And the Wikipedia talks about eradication of the view and the conduct that one becomes pure or transformed simply through performing rituals or adhering to rigid moralism or relying on a god for non-causal delivery and there's a term for that non-causal delivery meaning grace um, there is grace but one must have the karmic roots for it and therefore it's not quite non-causal anyway it's not undeserved blessing it's higher, higher beings of dispensation of blessing or benefit or protection or help, but it is deserved. <laughs> Therefore, one has the causal roots for it. It's not quite non-causal reception. And so the other point that they make here in this little Wikipedia write-up is it's the elimination. So breaking the second fetter, clinging to rites and rituals, at Sotapanna, first of four realizations in Buddhism, here, quote, the elimination of the notion that there are shortcuts to perfecting all virtues. And that's a very important point that I don't, I haven't thought of so much as, yeah, uh, many people want shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. <laughs> Vipassana Theravada, the Theravada way is a very slow path. And some Tibetan Buddhist uh, proudly said, I think a Westerner, something like um, Hinayana, meaning they're, they're, disparaging term for Theravada uh, is like walking uh, the path as going to the top of a skyscraper uh, on the Theravada path we go step by step on the Mahayana path it's like the elevator on the Vajrayana path it's like a rocket or a jet pack so they thought that was sort of cool but actually I think step by step and slow is best <laughs> the slow is much deeper and there are no shortcuts actually to a, to complete perfect awakening that's why there's reincarnation <laughs> because it takes a long time it's a huge piece of work
So, um, but the performance of tapasya or ritual um, austerity of whatever type, uh, Milarepa did that. Even for a while, without looking for fruit, leads to seeing of all as the self or seeing all as the all one, which is no separate from I. Um, and that, that not looking for fruit is critical, and even the raw material talked about that, is a service without expecting return. Uh, and because when we expect return, we're focused on the thoughts of, uh, I want to get. Uh, holding on to, I want to get, we cannot get. <laughs> because we've already gotten, or we, the getting the getting is complete because we're holding on and grasping the thought, I want to get. <laughs> so grasping the thought of, I want to get, um, is like the clenched fist. Like the monkey with his hand in the cage grasping the banana, he can't get it out, so he'll be trapped. Uh, attached, grasping the expectation and demand for reward, one is no longer receptive to receiving a reward. Going on, back end of page um, 13. There is duality in Hatha Yoga. Raja Yoga, um, which is of mind training, um, really the meditative way of yoga, um, different than physical posture like Hatha, physical movement, different than Karma Yoga as uh, work works, service works in the community, particularly. Different than Bhakti as devotion to the Guru. Uh, different than Jnana Yoga as particularly more study, I believe. Raja as meditative king, king Yoga. Raja means king or, or you know, the emperor or whatever, leader of the zone. Raja Yoga is best, whole. Be not vain thinking you are doing that anything done is due to you. Salt is produced from water. Salt becomes one with water. So does Maya self-born dissolve in the self. And so um, the duality in Hatha Yoga, that can be overcome, of course. There are Hatha Yogis who uh, attain realization or freedom. But commonly, the duality is me and my body. Raja Yoga um, ultimately gets one beyond me and my mind, even, because um, the sense of duality between I'm the subject and my mind is the object goes away in samadhi. And that's why I think he's calling it whole. Be not vain. Don't be vain. <laughs> Thinking that you are doing, I'm doing, I'm doing, and anything is due to me. And that's where you also, you know, ties into uh, Abrahamic religion that, or Christian view. Everything's done by God. Uh, God wills it, and uh, you know, inshallah, if uh, God wills it, uh, as God wills it, so shall it be. Um, I think that the <laughs> the truth is uh, very subtle. There is um, consequentiality to. Uh, ignorant sense of self, ignorance-based sense of self, free will activity. What appears to be free will decisions uh, have consequence, obviously. Um, from the perspective of non-duality and timelessness, uh, can I say that that was a free will decision and a choice? Uh, probably not. <laughs> so then we get back to true free will and uh, true simultaneity, uh, true simultaneity, where. 
uh, what appears to be predetermination or no choice and no free willing and the experience of free will and choice and decision in the moment, there's a rectification or a harmonization of those that appear to be dualistic, and that's called true simultaneity. And, um, you know, if you want to know more, ask Atman, because it's uh, known uh, only uh, from dwelling, uh, dwelling in um, complete non-duality. So um, what he's trying to say, I think, is... Um, you see, I mean, there is valuable value to instruction. <laughs> there is value to listening to instruction, or the value of instruction is the quality um, with which one listening shall put such instruction into practice. And so we can say, uh, it's better to do this than that. Uh, that doesn't mean, and therefore there obviously is uh, effectuality or consequentiality or consequences that are important to what appears to be free will decisions made in the moment. Like, I'll listen or I won't, or I'll be here, you know, I'll watch uh, the Flintstones or I'll go to the, the Darshan. There is a difference. Uh, how can you say that it's vain to think that one chose to go to the Flint, to, to go to the Darshan and the other one chose to do the Flintstones, and there's no consequence for that. Of course, there is. How can we say that? How can we say that it's vain to think that one chose to the darshan or the um, assembly with the teacher, and the other one sat in front of the television for six hours? How can one say that that's not done due to each of them making their decisions in the moment? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not at this level, so. But there is a level. Uh, or there is uh, a comprehend there there is um, what's happening in front of us can be seen from multiple levels of awareness and expansions of awareness and what's happening in front of us it seems like what's due to me from a more expanded uh, awareness I assume here will be seen as not due to me meanwhile it does seem that we have free choice or free will and choices and decisions in the moment so it's not a little thing, but if you really care about these matters, <laughs> if you really want to answer questions deeply, uh, it does get this convoluted. Uh, but from another level of perception, non-duality, uh, uh, he's saying anything done is not due to you. Don't be vain thinking that you're the boss. Salt is produced from water because that's just the way it is. It just happens with time. Salt becomes one with water because that's just the way it is. That's just what happens based on the nature of salt and water. <clears throat> and interestingly, so does maya, uh, self-born maya ignorance dissolve in the self. That's a very subtle point, actually, I think, that we think of maya as um, some outer, uh, some kind of property of the object, the world, the environment. <clears throat> the world is maya. No, your ignorance is maya. <laughs> your avidya, our avidya is maya, or maya is made of the self, and maya can be released and uh, dissolved by the self. So, dissolving maya like dissolving the salt in the water. Uh, maya, uh, ignorance, illusion, uh, you know, the illusion of limits, as Ra said, the all creation 
or seven dimensions of light, intelligent energy, um, offer beingness the illusion of limits. That's called maya. That's one way of looking at maya. That's not born of... It's born of the one that created light. And uh, yet we can take the veil off our face and off the eyes and dissolve the maya uh, that we ourselves have established ultimately because the logos created light which offers an illusion of limits to uh, non-fully enlightened beings in the octave. Likewise, we, as the author of that maya, can dissolve it through practice and realization. Now, something about Vedas. Breath is the Vedanta Veda. This is uh, page 14. Breath is the Vedanta Veda, meaning the true knowledge, truth, the, the essential knowledge truth of the Vedanta, of, of Vedanta is Veda, is breath. Breath is the essential truth of Vedanta, the essential vidya, knowing, realization, truth, reality of Vedanta is breath. The culture of the breath is the Vedanta. Veda is partless, not divisible. It is not by the tongue that the Veda is uttered. He is a Brahmana who utters the Veda from the throat. Veda is but one word. It is Veda that has the form of Agni, fire. Vedanta has no form, no change. It is whole. Veda is manifest by utterance. Utterance of the Veda is Dharana, collection of the mind. So breath... Um, being the conveyor of prana. Breath is not the same as prana. I mean, again, we can split hairs, but there's a difference between the outer sheath of a hair and the uh, core of a hair. Likewise, there can be intellectually posited the difference between uh, a carrier and that which is carried, or the deeper nature of a carrier being that which is carried. The apparent carrier is the breath what appears to be carried is prana, but actually breath is prana, you can say. But others would say, you know, looking at the distinction that breath carries prana. All right? That is the heart truth, the, the core, the pith truth of Vedanta. The core of Vedanta is Veda, that it is breath, because it's prana. It's of prana. It's pranic. And... The pranic is pranavic. That's the point. So the heart of Vedanta, which could be called Veda, which is vidya, which is truth or knowledge or wisdom or realization of reality, reality truth, truth reality, uh, it is um, manifest as breath. Breath can be called the carrier of prana, it's actually the outer form of prana in the octave. The outer form of prana, or, or the breath as the outer form, or apparently the carrier of prana, is ultimately the way of pranava in creation. And pranava is pranavik, which is of om, which is of the logos, or 
Godhead Paramatma. And so, uh, Godhead Satchitananda, that which uttered the Om, um, pervades the ten directions or the ten thousand things with prana, whose nature is pranava, which is the expression of Om, which is uh, of the one that generated light. And that's where breath is so important, because breath is sort of a direct line back to um, the one infinite creator, or um, Paramatman on the other side of the octave. Culture of the breath is Vedanta, and so he's, he's reformulating what Vedanta means, uh, that Vedanta really means Veda, and Veda really can be fully realized, or the, 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 the reality of Veda, which is the reality of truth, <laughs> which is Sat, which is what is such tatata, tatagata, tatata, tatata, in Buddhism, suchness, what is, um, tatvamasi, what is, is realized uh, through the, the royal road of the breath that goes straight back through prana to pranava and om. So it's not divisible, the truth that we're talking about, and the tongue doesn't utter it, whether it's a word or not. And so he's working with a lot of people who have attachment to rites and rituals and think of the in, mistake the outer for the inner. Mistake the form for the substance. And so there's a lot of discussion about um, form versus essence. So Veda is but one word, it's just a word. Um, but we're not talking about a word. We're really talking about the transformation of being that leads to full realization of of the heart of Veda, which is not a word, but reality. So Veda has the form of fire, but um, the heart of it has no form. Uh, or the truth and reality is, you know, like Ross said, the physical and metaphysical are inter- inseparable. So it has no form, no change, no whole. And that's, again, the, the change or time and space, apparent linearity, apparent linear sequence. It's apparent as experienced, it's perceived. We perceive time or past, present, future. Uh, that's uh, as perceived, so experienced, so conceived and believed. As perceived, so experienced, thus conceived and believed. And so, I think that's <laughs> one way of understanding the the, the uh, way of avidya, the formation of avidya. Um, meanwhile, uh, the heart of this has no form, or the essence, or the realization of reality, truth that we're seeking, is not of multiple parts. So while it may manifest by utterance, um, and this is a beautiful line, utterance of Veda is dharana collection of mind. Dharana. What is dharana? Dharana. I don't know everything. Let me see if I can pick up a fast translation. I think it's like a chant. Collection of concentration of mind. That's it. Um, it's not... Uh, yeah, so dharana collection. This is from uh, the great source Wikipedia. Collection or concentration of mind joined with retention of breath commonly. 
holding, the act of holding, bearing, wearing, supporting, maintaining, retaining, keeping back a good memory <laughs> or certainty. It's, um, the, the root is dri, dri, to hold, to carry, maintain, resolve. So it's holding. And um, Patanjali, talking about Ashtanga, Ashtanga Yoga or Raja Yoga, the sixth stage or step or limb, the you know Ashtanga eight stage or eight limbed yoga, six appears to be Raja Yoga, and so holding steady, uh, concentration, or single focus, it's uh, very much like Shamatha and tranquility and a concentrate. It's concentration. So utterance of the Veda is a concentrated collection of mind. Um, and I think he's saying that's, that's the way practice, um, mantra practice or ritual, you know, Vedic ritual practice needs to be. Um, a mind collection working. Mind collectedness practice. Not simply doing. And if you go to India, you see a lot of... Um, a lot of Brahmin priests um, doing ritual, very perfunctory, <laughs> like uh, it looks to me like a lot of them don't seem to care. They're just trying to run through the, a long performance list. Um, that's <laughs> that's not the way of, of transformation. And whether they believe that that's going to lead them to moksha or not, I don't know. I guess so. But perhaps if they believe if some believe that mere performance makes moksha, then one can run through it, right? Because it's a quantity, not quality matter. It's a, uh, an effect of quantity of performance, not quality of mind. So certainly uh, Nityananda was dealing with some people who didn't understand that performance is not salvific. Mind transformation is the salvation. And that's the collection of mind. Going on, middle page 14. Fill, and, and again, I can't explain everything he says. Fill the nadis with thought, Vedantic like wind filled by a cycle pump. Reach the thought to the Brahmarandra, meaning the crown chakra. Remove the dust from the nadis. Go up the steps one by one, like chakras. Arrive at the supreme Atman. Play together. Take your seat on the story. He was very high at this point. Join the presiding buddhi and the knowledge in a common seeing. Drink the waters of eternal ananda every moment. That's bliss. Go into the core of the nectar. Look who it is that is eternally delightful. Discover the secret of Ananda Brahman, bliss Brahman. The real Kundalini Shakti must rise. Confine the thoughts into the head and turn them into a swing like the infants rocked to sleep in the cradle. There is the supreme delight, the supreme or eternal delight. There enter into the Shiva Linga. Uh, Shiva, the deity, Shiva, uh, Linga is phallus, or point of power, you know, rod of power. So, um, <laughs> he was very high here, and um, very f much in Ananda. 
speaking right out of bliss and um, dissolution of separation. Fill the nadis, the energy channels, with thought, Vedantic-like wind, um, truth, or um, the, the wind, you know, it's not like a, a, a Vedantic thought. I'm thinking Vedanta now. It's um, mind awareness in harmony with the essence of the Vedanta, uh, of Vedanta, which is Veda, which is Vidya, which is Sat, which is realization or the truth uh, of non-duality and uh, transcendence of, of all uh, false differentiation. So it's not like, now I'm thinking Vedanta because I'm thinking about this verse over there from that scripture in that section. No, it's the nadis or the energy system. I mean, he must have been in this, in the moment, um, where he could feel energy circulation blissfully through body-mind or, you know, through all being. Reach the thought to Brahmaranda, crown chakra. Um, again, the thought, I don't know if he's really saying, what are you to think about crown chakra? It's really mind focus, I think. I don't believe that he's... He's he's suggesting that people should um, think about your crown chakra. I think it's more likely that he's saying direct the focus of mind and attention to crown chakra, Brahmarandra. Remove the dust from the nadis, or nods, means um, anything that impairs perfect pranic circulation through the nadis um, will be dissolved and removed. I mean, that's really only happening when there's full second chakra um, perfection, which is uh, far away from where I'm at. So, I mean, that's the, the thing is, there is a voltage matter. Raw talked about voltage, too. Um, one, can, one can, I mean, there was a book called Kundalini. Uh, I think it was a guy named Gopi Krishna or something, um, who was a fellow who just had that kind of, that name. <laughs> and um, I believe that he had some very serious pranic illnesses that came from a forcing method of kundalini arousal to crown chakra, which he did. He was successful. But his method was forcing. The result was that he had some, he burned some etheric sheaths. And that can be done. One can burn etheric sheaths. I'm, I'm familiar with that by wrong practice and other methods. And um, it's a big problem, and you have to have higher self-help to resolve it because it's six chakra. You're basically damaging the form-maker body. Aspects of the form-maker body associated with chakras and kundalini flow flow from root to crown is damaged by wrong, uh, direct, wrongly directed practice or technique that does actually work with fire, a certain type of um, power, force, an aspect of prana in the body or in the etheric body that um, does damage to um, some of the, the... There's a website called alchemy alchemyrealm.com. He talks about this. You can. It's a kind of spiritual illness. It's not just mind. It's actually very <laughs> terrible, and one is very fucked when one has this, if one has done it to oneself. Uh, but And it can heal. Actually, <laughs> Formic, I mean, you know, um, Confederation Sixth Density helped the survivors on the other side of Hiroshima and Nagasaki 
by reassembling or reorganizing or healing their spirit complex energy fields after the atomic blasts. Um, that healing of spirit complex energy fields is very much akin to repairing the etheric and uh, six chakra energy energy body um, in a way uh, that uh, wrongly directed Kundalini practice can can harm, and so, but to be to to have uh, seven chakra perfection, the nadis have to handle um, be capable of handling maximal voltage from root to crown. It's really quite a matter if you've ever had some practice like that that experiences it. It's very <clears throat> intense, and one can really hurt oneself if one opens to greater voltage while there are certain lower triad blockages still in play. Anyway, go up the steps one by one. I mean, take your time. <laughs> go up the chakras and don't rush. Arrive at Supreme Atman, and you see, that's not the goal. I think Supreme Atman, he might have meant Param, Paramatman here. In fact, that might have been the original word. Part of the problem with this um, Voice of the Self PDF MP Pandit translation is that he doesn't include as all the, as much of the Sanskrit as he could. He does a lot, but there's a much more he could have done. And it would have been useful if the word is uh, arrive at Paramatman. doesn't is more precise than arrive at Supreme Atman, but I think that might be what he's saying. And that's a big difference because we're not talking here about getting stuck in sixth density. We're talking about Atman joining with its source. Play together... Um, conscious mind and Atman or Atman and Paramatman take your seat <laughs> on the story uh, come up and join me and uh, come where I am he may have been saying to the people in the room uh, drink the waters of eternal Nanda he was in great bliss at this moment uh, go into it the secret of um, Brahman as bliss um, confine the thoughts to the head um, this is also another point that a number of yogis talked about. Keep the focus in the head. And there are Japanese Buddhism, uh, some Chan, Zen Buddhism, uh, may uh, focus on the hara. Hara is, in, is a Japanese word for the Chinese dantian. Dantian is a lower burner. Um, the second chakra front, the sort of lower belly zone under the diaphragm. Or not the, under the diaphragm, yeah, it's uh, considered a couple of inches below the, the umbilical cord, or the umbilicus, or the belly button. Um, if you focus there, you can be centered, um, and um, certain power can come from that, spiritual power. Uh, one can also become a monster. One can also uh, amplify lower triad blockages very much, and then become monstrous interpersonally. I saw a case of that. So, commonly, the Hindu yogis will say, keep the attention in the head. And that's similar to um, Anapanasati, where the focus is on the nostrils or nose tip or the sensation of breath in the nose. Very important. One can get a headache from too, from too forced focus of attention at uh, the nose or the head anywhere. And one can get into trouble that way, too. And so there's... You know, there, there's danger everywhere when one uh, puts a lot of attention into a wrong technique 
or one's technique is, is off a bit and then one forces it or pushes hard, it does a heavy practice with mistaken technique. It's very much a big problem. So, and so anyway, he's talking about, uh, he was in a great state of bliss here, presumably. There's supreme delight, enter into Shiva's um, rod of power. Finally, bottom page 14, rub the sticks and light the fire, cook day by day. Make no distinction. Pour into the fit vessel. Give to him of happy thoughts. <laughs> uh, beautiful. Uh, rub the sticks and light the fire. Whether he's talking to people, cooking devotees in the kitchen, literally or figuratively. Um, um, welcome catalyst day by day, accept the rightness of the life that comes at us and the challenges and the blessings, um, welcome the life in front of you, and um, cook day by day, make use of it as best you can. Light the fire of um, spiritual aspiration, which really means... Um, keep the fire of longing for greater freedom and don't um, forget that greater freedom is possible keep seeking you know stay hungry like that uh, make no distinction <laughs> uh, don't get stuck in criticism and judgmentalism uh, don't get stuck in duality or discernment while that's important, don't get stuck. Pour into the fit vessel like yourself. Make yourself a fit vessel um, to let creation or Godhead pour into and give to him of happy thoughts. The one who's happy, <laughs> give to that one. Uh, again, his meanings are much deeper than I can interpret in this case, as many. Uh, close to the end here, top of 15. If given to one who is not hungry... There is indigestion. One who is full has no hunger. More the clothing, more the chill. <laughs> Very high. So, uh, don't, this may, this may be related to the last verse. Give to him of happy thoughts. If given to one who is not hungry, there is indigestion. It may be that somebody was giving him food. There's some, any of these uh, verses or utterances may be literal, um, reflective of the physical, social group situation right in front of him in the room. Meanwhile, they're all loaded with a symbolic meaning of spiritual teaching associated with spiritual principles. So don't give to somebody who doesn't, he's not receptive. Don't throw your seeds on rocky soil or rocky ground. Um, there'll be a problem when you give to one who isn't ready or doesn't uh, accept the giving. Likewise, one who is well may not need you. <laughs> they may not be hungry because they're full. They may be full of shit. <laughs> they may be full of of um, light meaning a person may be non-receptive to help or truth 
um, because they know a lot already. They don't need your help or mine. Likewise, they may be uh, full of confusion and arrogance and conceit and delusion and think they don't need your help and believe they don't need your help or anyone's help too. Okay. So don't, don't try to feed those who are not hungry, but try to understand how it is that that one is not hungry. And more the clothing, more the chill. Very high. This is very Taoist, actually, like saying. Um, it's only by not believing in people we make them into liars, said, I think it was Lao Tzu, or Chong Tzu. So um, the five tastes spoil the tongue. The, the five sights uh, spoil the eye, also uh, Chong Tzu. More the clothing, more the chill. The more, <laughs> the more you try to protect yourself, the more vulnerable you may feel. The more you try to cover yourself and uh, avoid cold, um, the more you may become vulnerable. So the more uh, activity that's done in fear or avoidance uh, or protection, um, when it goes beyond a certain point, um, one will actually attract the um, non-desired experience one is seeking to, um, to, to reject or, or avoid. One may actually attract the, the undesirable by the methods of protection. So, very subtle there, too. Um, uh, okay, and the last one, I think. <laughs> Seat yourself in the carriage and go to Kashi. Reach the city of Shivananda, the bliss of Shiva. Go to the city of Shanti, peace. Terminate at the city of Brahmananda. He was just having fun here, I think. And the Kashi, I don't know what Kashi means in Sanskrit. It's certainly a place, actually. Um, let me see if I can find this. Their wisdom library has 29 definitions for Kasi. Uh, it's certainly... Oh, it's it's Varanasi. Uh -huh. Okay. It's one way of uh, talking about Kasi or Varanasi. Okay. So, he's basically... Uh, it, there may have been uh, some people in the group of devotees around him at this time that were going to Varanasi or coming back or... Um, taking a trip somewhere or something, and he was just quipping uh, on them in terms of the true travel that's uh, of value. Uh, go to Varanasi, um, the place of pilgrimage and spiritual practice, and also the place where people go uh, where uh, devout Hindus are um, burned on the, at the, ghat, the ghats on the beach, or on the beach of the river. I was there, quite a place. Um, reach the city of the bliss of Shiva. And that's really what's the point is you may go to places of pilgrimage, but you really ought to arrive at destinations of transformation. And the transformation includes um, the bliss of Shiva or bliss and Shanti or peace and Brahmananda or the, the bliss of Brahma. And so, you know, the whole physical universe is for the purpose of transformation of consciousness. It's a big play. 
it's a big uh, it's a big uh, costumed set it's uh, the set of the octave is the apparent I mean Ron talk about this that that the um, that light and time and space space-time time-space dimensionalities uh, create an illusory superstructure in which transformation or um, realization can occur something like that a superstructure a, a, a huge um, um, stage set uh, for the transformation of the awareness of the one that fashions experience like that so next time we'll pick up at the middle of um, 15 um, and that is actually related it'll be uh, the verse that starts with know what is man meaning understand what is man and that's uh, very fitting as a follow-up to this um, previous verse where outer travel even pilgrimage is put into is put in its place I think or valued rightly as simply or or not the purpose uh, as a means to an end the purpose of travel is the experience gained by the travel the purpose of pilgrimage per- presumably is realization or uh, proximity to God or evolution on the path um, the outer is for the purpose of the inner, the apparently uh, dimensional. The the apparent uh, cosmology is for the purpose is um, uh, cosmology serves teleology. <laughs> the 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 creation cosmic structure of multi multi dimensionality is for the is um, teleologically understood, meaning in terms of its ultimate purpose and uh, end and value as um, for the purpose of liberation you know soteriology so <laughs> the 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 ultimate purpose or uh, telos of cosmos the telos of cosmos is moksha and the purpose of uh, uh, a physical and apparently substantial dimensional experience of time and space um, is for the work of awareness done by those experiencing such dimensionalities. Okay, all right, good, thank you. And so, <laughs> I hope you're all well. Thank you to everyone here. It's kind of nice to stay with the MP Pundit version and not be distracted by the others, even though there's some value in the other one. It's nice to stay here. Stay here now. So take good care of yourselves, see you next time, and good night.